Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I was no longer the man in my little girl's life. I was like an old shoe, the kind we manufacture and get all excited about and after a few years, discontinue. That was me now, Mr. Discontinued. Everybody, I'm Vanya. I'm the Rom. She is the Rom, and I'm Avarin, and I'm the Crime. And uh, we're bringing something a little different to you uh, today with Rom Crime. We've done various, various types of, you know, what we are referring to as romantic crimes. But today we're going to start <laughs> trying something a little different. We're going to cover a Rom, like just a Rom, a Rom Com, yeah. And we're going to cover a, a crime. And we're going to discuss afterwards if there's any kind of intersectionality or anything that maybe strikes us as uh, similar. The samesies. Yeah, I love it. I'm so excited to go down this journey. And yeah, should I tell them the um, ROM I'm doing? Yes. Okay. It's so good. I decided it is one of my favorite, favorite movies in the world. And of course, I love rom-coms. And I do consider this a rom-com. For sure. It is Father of the bride. So Yay! good. So, so good. It's kind of like a showdown. It's like father of the bride versus family annihilators. Yeah. Which I'm not going to give it away what Avrin's talking about. We are talking about family annihilators and father of the bride. We're going to see if uh, George Banks, that was his name, right? Yeah. If, uh, if he's got any qualities that could be shared with other family annihilators. And then I'm going to tell a really sad story. It's true. But you know what? Yeah. We're going to start with... Uh, start light. One could not talk about this movie without mentioning the opening scene. It starts with VO and then eventually you do see Steve Martin, George Banks. And he says, I used to think a wedding was a simple affair. Boy and girl meet, they fall in love. He buys a ring, she buys a dress, they say I do. I was wrong. That's getting married. A wedding is an entirely different proposition. I know I've just been through one. Not my own, my daughter's. I'm told that one day I'll look back on all this with great affection. I hope so. You fathers will understand. You have a little girl, an adorable little girl, who looks up to you and adores you in a way you could never have imagined. I remember how her little hand used to fit inside mine, how she used to love to sit on my lap and lean her head against my chest. She said I was her hero. <laughs> then one day, she comes home, 
and wants to get her ears pierced and wants you to drop her off a block from the movie theater. Next thing you know, she's wearing eyeshadow and high heels. From that moment on, you're in constant state of panic. You worry about her going out with the wrong kind of guys, the kind of guys who only want one thing. And you know exactly what that one thing is because it's the same thing you wanted when you were their age. <laughs> then she gets a little older and you quit worrying about her meeting the wrong guy and you worry about her meeting the right guy. Mm. And that's the biggest fear of all because then you lose her. And before you know it, you're sitting all alone in a big empty house wearing rice on your tux and wondering what has happened to your life. Wowza. I mean, it is, obviously, I, I read it a little bit different than he did. It's very, I mean, it's Steve Martin. He makes anything like just charming, right? Yes, of course. A hilarious, though. I did forget about that. Can I interject Please. real quickly? I'll yeah. keep it brief with my favorite father of the bride story. So uh, my mom and dad went and saw this in theaters. My mom loves to tell this story. <laughs> and she's all like touched and she's laughing and she reaches over for my dad's hand and she turns to look at him and she's... <laughs> She said she's never seen anything like it. My dad is like sheet white with beads of sweat <laughs> dripping down his face because he is the father of four daughters. <laughs> and I don't think, and in 91, I was not, I was nine, you know, yes. so I don't think the idea of um, what all went into being the father of a bride and paying for a wedding had really occurred to him oh, until dang. watching this. And my mom said it was so funny to be in a rom-com, but my dad looked like he was watching a horror film. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that is such a good story. I love it. Oh, shout out to Jack, Jack Mackey, mm -hmm. everybody. We love him. So, so it, so this movie came out in 1991 and it was written by Nancy Myers, who is a rom com goddess, of course. For sure. She also wrote The Holiday, Something's Gotta Give. It's complicated. And for me, this is, it's comfort viewing at its finest. Mm -hmm. In the opening scene, yes, we see George Banks, played by Steve Martin. He is the father of two children, not four daughters, but two children. <laughs> Annie Banks, who's supposed to be 22 years old at the time, played by Kimberly Williams, who, by the way, I just saw her in The Christmas Chronicles. She's in Christmas Chronicles 1 and 2, and she's just cute, you know? Yeah, she does. She looks the same, right? She, she it's did back bizarre. Then. It's yeah. actually bizarre. It's kind of weird. It, like, throws you off. And then Maddie Banks, who's, like, I think he's supposed to be, like, nine years old or something like that. He's That's played by Kieran Culkin, who, by the way, shares my birthday. Ooh. And honestly, all I can think of is him playing Roman Roy and wanking off in its high-rise office building. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about in succession? Yeah, succession. But I digress. The mother of George's children and his wife is Nina Banks, played by the effervescent and oh-so-teethy or I guess toothy Diane Keaton. She smiles with like all, you can see the back of her teeth. Yeah. I mean, she's so cute, but you know, it's something that I always notice. I'm like, Jesus, lots of teeth. Anyways, <laughs> she is definitely a Nancy Myers favorite. Um, For I, sure. Remember her crying scene from Something's Gotta Give? Yeah. I feel like that goes down in cinematic herstory for me. She is amazing. Yeah. It's so good. I love Diane Keaton. Oh, me too. But so good. Back to George, the patriarch of this family. And I'm gonna say it control freak father who I may or may not relate with just a teensy tiny bit <laughs> comes home to find out that his baby his daughter Annie who just arrived from studying abroad has met someone in Rome and they are engaged um, by the way shout out to Kimberly Williams eyebrows because they are large and in charge and why didn't <laughs> I love my eyebrows more when I was a tween in the 90s why I know just love know. yourself anyway George is not having it at all his face contorts and he screams you're not getting married, and that's final. 
scary. Like, Jesus Christ, like, whoa, dude. man. Supposed to be happy news, Dad. Yeah. The supreme commander of the household has spoken. But then, delightful Nina comes in and softly walking on eggshells convinces him to not honor kill his daughter. I'm kidding. <laughs> He oh God, does. Sorry, that's horrible. And I should. I'm not making fun of honor killing, but like, no, no, I of. should. I should not have laughed like that either at it. My response. No, was no, I was discomfort. <laughs> it was. A, it was an uncomfortable laugh. You're like you're making me uncomfortable, Vanya. But anyway, no, I love you. <laughs> he, do, he does begrudgingly change his tone with Annie, and he says, "If you love him so much, I know I'll love him too." It's nice. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. that's good. So then they meet the fiance, Brian McKenzie. Brian walks in the door and runs into Annie. Annie's arms and starts deep throating her with his tongue. Yeah. Gross. George looks at Nina like, what the actual fork? And she just nods. Nina just nods like, kids will be good. <laughs> um, but I'm so sorry. I, I don't think I could do that in front of my parents. Even now. No, after being married I would for so never long. do that uh, I still in front of my parents. Yeah. Like if my parents did that in front of me, I'd yell at them. I'd be like, guys, the room. get a goddamn room. I know. I still, I don't think I could lick, bite, and suck all my lover's lips in front of them. I mean, affection <laughs> is fine, right? But Sure, wh- but not that. What are you trying to prove, Annie Banks? Trying to stick it to your old dad? and really let them know that you're out of there? Jesus. Anywho, <laughs> by the way, Diane Keaton is supposed to be my age in this movie and I almost lost my shiz because I just always like thought of her as so old. Okay, but this also 30 years ago, it was 1991. That's true. And they it, styles were different. Oh my God, guys, it's only gonna get worse. It's fine. I'm sorry, no. <laughs> but here... We we hear George's voiceover. By the way, Nancy Myers is like the voiceover goddess or like the narration. I love that in her movies. They don't really do, yeah, people yeah. Don't do that so much anymore, but I don't mind it. It makes me feel like I'm really, it's like a rom-com thing. I th- or yeah, it's like you're really like leaning into this like fantastical story. Yeah. So he says, I was no longer the man in my little girl's life. I was like an old shoe, the kind we manufacture and get all excited about and after a few years, discontinue. That was me now, Mr. Discontinued. Ominous, right? Like, holy shit, dude. Oh, my word. Also, what a I know, but like this guy is all about like, I feel like he is all about his family and holding that control over everybody. Right. And being the center of of everyone's universe is crucial to his like um, mental stability. 100%. And he is unwinding. Un- mm-hmm. I see where we're going here. I mm-hmm, see where we're going mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. So next, George and Nina meet the in-laws and George is like, Completely unhinged. And to just to quickly summarize this part, he talks shit leading up to meeting them, about them being snobs or being whatever. He snoops around their home and almost gets eaten by their Dobermans. And if you've seen this movie, definitely. By the way, there are spoilers, and I'm going to let you know that in the beginning. Um, he And he ultimately ends up falling in their massive pool. And this is the kind of humor that makes our friend Mike super uncomfortable. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yes. But it, in, in, in all in all, it shows that he's out of his goddamn mind. Then we learn that, and I think everybody knows this, but it's not so much traditional anymore. But traditionally, the bride's family pays for the wedding. Why your dad was sweating bullets. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I'm going to call this part the complete unraveling of the father of the bride. Because first, George suggests the wedding be at their local barbecue restaurant. What? I'm, I mean, oh, fine. Right, but right. Mm. Then Annie suggests they do it in their beautiful San Marino home. By the way, San Marino is a neighborhood close to Pasadena. And most people who live there are not poor. No, and isn't their house like huge and gorgeous? Exactly. And maybe when he, yeah. he, he said, they say he bought it 15 years before the wedding. So let's say it would have been like, I don't know, 85? Is that, is that math or something like that? 80? 
75. I'm a, I got my degree in theater. Okay. And, um, uh, <laughs> yeah. So like in 75, maybe it was like affordable, but I, but cause he talks so much shit about the in-laws being so rich and from Bel Air and all this, but like I know. San Marino's pretty, uh, pretty damn sh- like fancy schmancy nice. too. Mm-hmm. She, she, um, it is actually a super cute neighborhood cause they have all these little like, um, blocks with like all the stores, everything. It's very cute. Okay. So. I digress. I'm so sorry. <clears throat> this is the first time we actually see George happy or excited because all of you know that that because you know he loves his home. He he thinks, oh, I can control this and all whatever. But it quickly goes sinister when the wedding planning gets out of hand and he's losing control. He's losing his property. I mean, his he's losing his daughter and he's going to end up broke in the end. Just kidding. I called his. Oh. You know, it could be he could he could think of his I, daughter as his property. Maybe they didn't. It wasn't like straight up, but. Mm, Questionable. So after a nasty freak out with the wedding planner played by the hilarious and is his accent offensive? Martin Short. I'm Frank. We got to talk about the cock. The cake. <laughs> yeah, the cock. That's right. He's like the cock, the cock, uh, the cake, the cake. That's right. <laughs> and also just a fun side note, B.D. Wong plays his assistant and <laughs> his assistant's named Harvey Weinstein, which I'm like, Whoop. oh, that's Unfortunate. But Bidi Wong is hilarious in it. Then George jumps in his car to escape and cool down because he's just like completely lost it on Franck. But Nina asks if he can pick up a few things at the grocery store. (laughs) And after having a complete psychotic break in the store about hot dog buns, he is arrested Mm -hmm. and sent to jail. He really does unravel quite quickly in this film. And it's a funny scene if you see, you know, because comedy is so close to like hysteria that it it works. It makes oh, yeah. sense. But, you know, but Nina comes to bail him out. And before she lets him out of the cell, she has some words for him. She says, you've been more than I can handle, George. Annie's wedding is not a conspiracy against you. People have them every day in every country across the world. And then she forces him to agree to pull it together and try to remember his daughter's feelings. And with every roll of his eye, he's taking away a bit of his daughter's happiness. And he agrees to do so, which, okay, okay. So now this is the point in the movie where we're like, he's relinquishing his control. He's giving into the wedding. He's spending the money, everything. And then Annie calls the wedding off because Brian of a blender, a blender. He gives her blender for a gift and she's takes. She takes that as a sign that he wants a subservient wife. Like crying, she goes, what is this? 1958? Give the little wife a blender. It's a good scene. but I, And I totally get it. But it's I'm a also like, scene. don't be an idiot. Like, it's, it's, it's his just blender, a blender too. Yeah, it's for both but of you. Whatever. It's fine. It moves the story along. And then somehow George smooths things over for them because he sees how much Brian loves his daughter. Tides turn. They make up and also aggressively make out again. Little barfy with dad in the middle there, but Oy. that happens. I'm just like, why? <laughs> why do they do it in front of dad so much? Nancy Myers is like harder, more. Yeah, just a little <laughs> sloppier, guys. Like I can't, I can't see just enough a of your wet, tongue. Gross. <laughs> the night, before, the night before the wedding, we see this sweet montage, which is totally a rom com staple. You know, just a montage with like a great song, mm-hmm. and it's of Annie growing up from a baby to her different points in her life to her sliding down the banister as an adult which happens in the beginning of the movie and the music accompanying yep. is is really good it's that song it's like today i met the boy i'm gonna marry oh i love that song yeah so <laughs> late that night george comes downstairs and he finds aunt that annie can't sleep day before the wedding and she's shooting hoops and she says i kept thinking this is my last night of being a kid and i'm like oof 
it's intense because I guess she lived there. I mean, she studied abroad, but she lived there until she got married. Yeah. And then, oh. Avrin, it starts freaking snowing in LA. What? And I guess, okay, so I had to look this up because I'm like, what? Apparently, it does, it snows every 10 years or something like that. And where San Marino oh. is, it's like near Alhambra. It's like kind of your you're getting close to the mountain area over there. So I could, I could, right. Cause it does, yeah, I'll buy it, but still. Yeah. And is that just going to really stress out the wedding planner? It's definitely a hiccup for the wedding, but it all works out, of course. And the wedding is on. And this is like kind of an earnest moment, but I loved it in beautiful Nancy Myers VO. George says, as Nina walks down the stairs, not Annie, his wife, Nina, he says, I knew I'd never be able to remember what Nina wore that day, but I also knew I would never be able to forget the way she looked Aww. before he annihilated her. I'm kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> but I just love that. I thought that's that's me. I actually don't remember what people wear, but I always remember the feeling. and the, So I just love that. Way to put it in words, Miss Myers. Later at the wedding, he's about to give her away. Uh, George Banks is about to give his daughter away. And we hear... This is the moment I've been dreading for the last six months. Well, for the last 22 years. And then the officiant says, who presents this woman in holy matrimony? And he thinks, who presents this woman in holy matrimony? This woman? But she's not a woman. She's just a kid. And she was leaving us. I realized at that moment I was never going to come home again and see Annie at the top of the stairs. Never. Go oh my God, I'm getting emotional. Holy crap! You're gonna cry. I love it. You have you have kids. Oh my gosh, because I have a little. I have two little kids, and I think about that. Um, never going to see her again at our breakfast table. Oh. And I suddenly realized what was happening. Annie was all grown up and leaving us, and something inside me began to hurt. Wow, that is another good writing for Nancy Myers. That's also, I yeah. love I love a rom com. I love it. I love that you love it because they do get you too. But I I find yeah. that you know it is a sweet, bittersweet thought. So this rom com clearly ends well, but because George chinsed on the parking attendants, he ends up missing pretty much the entire reception, moving cars to appease the fire department. <laughs> but all in all, everyone survived, and everyone was better for it. So. That's 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 a quick breakdown of Father of the Bride. Nice. Different genre, could have been different. Everything could have gone much differently. So interesting. I, I haven't seen that movie in a long time, but I remember that I always loved it yeah. when I was younger. And then this new idea we have of kind of like re-examining favorite movies with the idea of maybe looking for some scary psychopathy <laughs> yeah. in there. Um it's interesting because while obviously he's not a family right. annihilator, there is that a lot of the qualities that you hear about, they're almost always male in my research, family annihilators. And then one of two things kind of happened, or there's four types, but the main reasons are um, like the father sees the family as like a representation of mm. of him and his success. And if um, either by virtue of like bad behavior from the kids or some kind of economic like bankruptcy or something that he will annihilate his family in order to basically save face, which doesn't make any wow. sense. Um, there's also, you know, um, other family annihilators who are usually like ex-husbands who feel like they're not going to be able to see their kids anymore. So that's not that. Um, and then there's just um, like possessive 
crazy psychos. That was the worst. Like, I know I did research on that, but I didn't write that part down. And so that was me just grasping from little no, but that, memories it makes sense. I had of the research I did on the types I'm of family annihilators. And I think you're right. <laughs> um, And I think uh, obviously being a narcissist is like a really big part of the psychopathy of these types of individuals who do stuff like that. And I think George Banks has a lot of yes, that he does. quality. That's where I'll, I think that's yeah. the extent of it. <laughs> yeah. But the belief, you know, the the desire to be the center of the universe to his family and to never have that yeah. change and to, I don't know, money often plays a part in it. His like crazy weirdness with money when he's clearly I super successful. Yeah. So I'm going to tell a very different story today that is a story of a family annihilator, a pretty recent one. In fact, I didn't realize it until I was looking at my uh, calendar, but today is August 13th of 2021, which is act- actually three years to the day that this crime oh was committed. Gosh. It happened on August 13th of 2018. And I feel like most of us will remember um, this story because, well, one, it was recent, but two, it was just so shockingly horrible. So on August 13th, a woman is reported missing. On August 14th, her very handsome husband gives an interview on TV begging for his wife and two daughters to, and his pregnant wife, man I add, and his two daughters to come home. And on August 15th, he is arrested after confessing to murdering his wife. Um, this is the story of Chris Watts, Shanann Watts, Bella Watts, Celeste Watts, and Nico Watts, who was um, their unborn baby boy. This, too, um, was made into a movie on Netflix. It's a docuseries called um, American Murder, The Family Next Door. And one of the reasons why this documentary, I think, one is so, like, I don't know. It's Shanann Watts, 34 years old. She documented her life on social media in such a way that, it feels like you know her because you are allowed so much access, which is not something I personally am comfortable with at all. But because of that, they were able to make this film where you're like inside this family and in a very wow. real way. Um, you're seeing videos. You see the video of her wearing a shirt saying, oops, we did it again when she tells him that she's pregnant with their baby boy and his reaction and his seemingly happy reaction. And it just it feels like from the and obviously we know everybody kind of cultivates things online to make their lives right. look like a fairy tale. But it really Shanann really does kind of go out of her way and seems to have this fairy tale life. And she's open about how, like, Chris is the best thing that ever happened to her. So there's, let me tell you their story before I tell you the horror story. So in 2010, Shanann, who is very active on social media, gets a friend request on Facebook from a guy named Christopher Watts. It's like a friend of a friend of a friend. And she's, you know, she'd recently been divorced in 2008. She'd also recently been diagnosed with lupus, which is um, an autoimmune disorder that's really, really like a lot of a lot of um, doctor's appointments, a lot of like trying to figure out medication, trying to figure out maybe like types of eating, stuff like that. So she's like in the middle of kind of a health crisis. And she thinks, like, what the hell? I'll accept his friend request, but I'm not going to, like, meet him or anything. Cut to two weeks later, and they're set up on a blind date. And she says in a video, like, you can watch this documentary, guys, and you can hear her voice, and she's telling their story. They go on this blind date, and she is just in such a bad place that she kind of pushes him away at every 
turn. She's rejecting him. She's dragging him to things like colonoscopies, <laughs> like for their dates. And she's literally like giving him any any reason to just leave, dude. Like uh, this, I'm not worth it. Or I'm not the one for you. Like, just get out of here. Um, but he sticks around, sticks by her, goes through all of that. And on November 3rd of 2012, oh they my. get married. Um, they're both they're both uh, living in North Carolina at the time, but this marriage, while um, in the videos, you know, you you see them dancing, they're like whispering sweet nothings. The father of the bride gives a uh, tearful toast, welcoming Chris into his family, saying that he is the perfect man um, for his daughter. Um, her brother gives a toast where he too cries about how Chris is perfect and like the brother he always wanted to have. And it's all very sweet. But this wedding was not actually without some serious tension because Chris's mother and sister did not come to the wedding because they do not like Shanann. Oh. And that's kind of a thing that, you know, it's definitely not being portrayed by her on social media, but that is a, the, the truth of that situation is that there was like immediately tension huh. from the moment they got married because his mom and sister didn't show up. That's bold. Um, That's bold. And to I not guess show they, up. you know, he, it's very bold. Like you're the mom. It's not like you're the, the second cousin. Um, so Shanann was a very, uh, she had a very big personality, a very strong personality where Chris was definitely very kind of quiet and passive. Um, I'm pretty sure if I remember this correctly, I watched a documentary, I listened to a podcast, <laughs> I read so many articles, but I believe that Shanann was like his second oh. girlfriend ever. So like he was like a shy guy and not and and very passive. And Shanann was the opposite. Clearly like loud, uh. proud, you know, out there, um, opinionated. Um, some people might say bossy, but I don't think that's a good word. I think she was just a woman who knew who she was and what she wanted and wasn't afraid to ask for it. And I say props to women like that. Um, but her personality kind of clashed, I guess, with Chris's mom, who maybe had a similar personality. Mm. I'm just speculating there. I can't understand why why you wouldn't come to your own son's wedding. But anyway, they get married. There's a lot of tension in the beginning. But then they welcome, in uh, 2013, their uh, miracle baby, Bella. Um, because... Because of the lupus, it was not entirely clear if uh, Shanann was going to be able to have kids. And they were over the moon elated, but they're also having money problems at this point. Um, they have to file for bankruptcy. They have relocated from North Carolina to Frederick, Colorado, where um, Chris is working as like an operator for a gas mm. company and to pick up extra money because having to file bankruptcy and they find out they're having another baby. Um she picks up a job doing like uh, sales for Thrive, which is an online market that I feel like most people have probably yeah. heard of at this point. And she does pretty well. She does pretty well for herself. And she doesn't have to go to work. Like she can work from home. This is all pre-pandemic, wow. y'all. So it was ideal. She had two very young babies. So to not have to go to work was working out. And she continues to document their life on social media. And it just looks like a fairy tale. And she also has to share like personal stories, I guess, for work as a method of like connecting with the demographic she's trying to sell to, which is another reason why I guess she does a lot of a lot of these like Facebook story type situations. All right. We are now in the year 2018. And uh, Chris meets one of his co-workers who's like been contracted in is a woman named Nikki uh, Kessinger. And we know from like cell phone data that he entered her contact info into his cell phone on June 14th of 2018. 
We also know that on June around June 17th of 2018, he tells Nikki that he's married with two kids, but that he and his wife are separated and in the process of getting divorced. Liar. On June 19th, 2018, Shanann posts a photo of baby Nico's ultrasound on Facebook. It's like making it official on the social media world with the caption that reads, Chris is the best dad us girls could ask for. I feel like we already all know this story because it was such a headline grabbing news. But anyway, so on June 27th, Shanann takes Bella and Cece to North Carolina for a six week vacation to visit family, to see her parents, to see Chris's parents. But Chris is not able to take six weeks off from work. So he's going to stay behind and then join them for the last week of the trip. While they're on this vacation, things like there's some strain starting to show. Chris isn't calling. He's not answering her calls. She, you know, she's berating him. We see the text messages like you fucking call your daughters when you wake up. You haven't called us one time. Um, You'd think you'd miss us or something. And then there's a huge fight between Shanann and Chris's mom because uh, Chris's mom was about to give some like cookie or ice cream that had nuts in it. And Cece, their youngest, Celeste, was like severely allergic to several things, um, but nuts, like all kinds of nuts, were definitely one of them. Yeah. I mean, that can kill you. Yeah, no, it would have killed her. Um, and so they get into a huge fight. Chris's mom's like, I didn't know. And she's like, how the fuck did you not know? And then she's coming at Chris being like, you need to tell you know, your parents to like step up or they're never going to see our kids again. Cece has her third birthday while they're on vacation. And again, the mother, the in-laws don't show up because of this fight. And then Chris finally joins the family um, for the last week of vacation, and uh, he is just really kind of cold towards Shanann. And she's like, I don't understand. She's texting friends. Like, she, he won't touch her. The only kiss they shared was at the airport because she kissed him. She tries to have sex with him. He, like, goes and works out instead. Um, and he's not really being open. And she's like, I just don't understand what's going on unless there's somebody else. And all of her friends are like, no, girl, that's, there's no way there's somebody else just it's okay it's okay it's okay so then um they go home and again she's like trying to be his wife and have sexy times with him and again he rejects her and she's just like really kind of devastated but she's also a determined woman and she doesn't want to lose her husband and he swears up and down there's nobody else um and then on august 9th of 2018 she has to go to Arizona for a business trip. So she leaves the two girls with Chris and she goes to Arizona and she returns home on like the early wee morning hours of August 13th. She gets home around 1.45 a.m. They have one of those ring things. So you actually see oh, wow. her get home. And the friend who had uh, dropped her off was a coworker and good friend named Nicole Atkinson, who became increasingly concerned um, over the day, August 13th, uh, because Shanann had a doctor's appointment. She was supposed to text Nicole about like how it went because it was a baby appointment type stuff. Um, She doesn't answer any texts or calls. And so around noon or one, Nicole Atkinson calls the police and asks them to do a welfare check. She also calls Chris and is like, have you heard from Shanann? I can't get a hold of her. She goes to her house. Her car is there, but no one will answer the door. Finally, the police show up, but they can't enter the home until like the homeowner gives them permission. So Chris gets home, lets them all in. They go through the house. What they do notice right away is that her purse, cell phone, um, and in her purse is the medication that she must take for her lupus, um, is all there. Uh, Her wedding ring is sitting on the counter. 
the girls and Shanann are like nowhere to be found, but the car is there. And so they're asking Chris a bunch of questions and he says, maybe she walked to a friend's house. I'm not sure. Um, he admits that they had had kind of an emotional conversation earlier that morning before he went to work. Um, but not a fight, just an emotional conversation. And all of this um, stuff is being caught on uh, police body cam, guys. And so when you're watching the documentary, you're watching Chris like walk them through. Then a neighbor comes over and says, I have cameras that actually catch this house. We could go through the security cameras that I have and maybe you could see if they left or if someone took them. And Chris becomes noticeably agitated at this point. And so they're showing the footage on the TV screen. Um, you can't see anything. All you can see is Chris backs his truck up to the garage and says, oh, I was just loading my like work tools because uh, he's an operator, you know, for an oil company, I guess, was going out to the site. And there is nothing on it. And then for some reason, I don't know why this happens, but the video that they're watching cuts out. And then what happens to pop up on TV, the TV in the house, and I, I didn't find an explanation for this, but it's like a video of like a fetus inside a womb, but like like a science show or something. And you see Chris like see it out of the corner of his eye. And then he goes, oh, um, and uh, she, my wife's pregnant too. Like it just occurred to him. Ew. That she was pregnant and that he should probably let them know that too because, you know, that's like a thing. So then Chris goes to make some more calls. The neighbor is immediately like, he's not acting right to the cop. Like, he ne- he's real shy. He never talks. The fact that he's been like blabbing about all his their personal like conversations and stuff going on, like there's something he's not acting right. And the cop's like, well, sir, appreciate your concern. But, you know, we never know how we're going to deal with these kinds of situations. So officially, they're uh, pregnant Shanann and her two daughters are officially missing, and the whole community galvanizes and begins to look for them. The FBI is brought in, as they often are, or always are, I believe, with uh-huh. missing children um, and, kid- and possible kidnapping cases. And, um, you know, it gets national attention. And then on August 14th, Chris is on the news. Like, they come to his house, and he gives a statement where he's saying, you know, like, I need them to come home. If somebody has them, you need to have them come back to me because, you know, this home is not complete with nobody here. But he's got his arms crossed. You know, the body language is weird. He's kind of rocking. And if you go back and watch it again, you know, like, obviously, I can't remember if I saw that before we all knew who he was and what he had done, because I think it would be very interesting to, like, see it then Mm -hmm. and then go back and watch it, whereas I only watched it knowing, you know, what a monster he was. So then on um, August 15th, Chris is brought in for more questioning. Police have been doing a lot of investigating, um, you know, behind the scenes here. And they have him come in and they're like, would you please take a polygraph for us? We just need, you know, to kind of rule you in or out. And the detective in this scene with the polygraph, I feel like, is genius. Like, she uses the polygraph in the only way you can really use it, right? Because you can't use it in court, but you can use it to basically disarm someone Mm. so much that they have to, like, confess. (laughs) And that's what she does. I've also been watching a lot of The Closer, and I was like, she's so much like um, Kira Sedgwick in The Closer, this detective. That's fun. So she says, there's only one person who knows the truth in this room right now, but after this test, there will be two of us. And she, like, she keeps... having him stop she's like take some deep breaths like you're all over the place here man but she's seemingly like on his side um so he takes the polygraph and then the detectives come back in and they're like 
So we know that you are lying to us because you failed the polygraph test. He continues to insist over and over again, I wasn't lying. I wasn't lying on that polygraph test. And she's like, that's not really the issue. Um, I have the results right here. You were deceitful. So I don't want to talk about the polygraph anymore. I We need to know where your wife and kids are. Like, you need to just, let's stop. We already know that you didn't tell us the truth. So now it's time to tell us the truth. The fact that you're here right now without a lawyer that you came in, that you agreed to do this means you want to unburden yourself. Ooh. And um, Chris's dad was actually at the police station they had flown out to be with him um and he's like i just want to talk to my dad i just want to talk to my dad and they're in a very smart move the police are like okay that's fine we'll we'll have your dad come in and this is all cameras that are like in the room that we're catching this is all being captured yeah because it's in the interrogation room so his dad comes in and he's like i failed the test polygraph test they're not going to let me go and then his dad basically says well is there any reason why they shouldn't let you go and then, you know, he, you can barely hear what Chris is saying, but the dad's kind of pushing. And then he told his dad that he told that he copped to the affair that he had been obviously having, which we'll go more into detail with that. But he copped to the affair. But he's like, but I didn't do anything. And he's like, well, I don't understand. And then finally he goes, I had to do it. I don't want to. Or he said, I don't want to protect her anymore. And then the dad's like, protect who? Shanann? And he's like, she did it. She did it. And he's like, what'd she do? And so then Chris confesses to his father that he murdered his wife because he told her about the affair and that he was going to leave her and that out of spite, she murdered their two daughters. And then when he realized that she had killed the two girls, he became so enraged that he strangled her to death. And that is the story that he's sticking with. So he then leads police to the bodies of his wife, which, which was buried in a shallow grave, like on the one of the oil sites where he worked and then his two precious three and four-year-old daughters are found in these oil tanks ew so he put his two girls in two separate oil tanks and buried shanann far away from them he said because he didn't want her to get to be anywhere near them rage 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 rage. oh my god psychotic right and so he then uh pleads guilty to killing Shanann. But the the horrible part is, is that he sticks to this story about Shanann murdering his daughters for like months, right? Um, and so then the public doesn't know what's true exactly. Um, they A lot of terrible people say that because of all the videos that you can see of their family that she was like bossy and that she drove him to this, like Ew. she drove him insane. Ugh, victim blaming like all over the internet in such a classic 2018 <laughs> way. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, but on November, in November of 2018, he does plead guilty to nine criminal counts of uh, five of which are for first degree murder, including. So he pleads guilty to murdering his wife, to murdering his daughter, Cece, and his daughter, Bella. And then the other criminal uh, counts, um, I guess if you murder someone under 12, it's considered two counts of oh, first wow. degree murder. And then also um, unlawful termination of a pregnancy and um, because of the unknown. Yeah. She was 15 weeks pregnant. Um, He pleads guilty to all of those and is sentenced to um, like five consecutive life sentences in prison without the possibility of parole. And (laughs) so the story doesn't really end. I mean, it does end there. He's in prison um, and he will be for the rest of his life. But there was a lot of, again, like confusing things going on because he he really like in the most horrific way possible, not only murdered his whole family, but then tried to like paint Shanann as like a monster and that he only reacted to her bad deeds. But in 2019, he gave an interview with the FBI where he actually cops to murdering all of them. And he even describes in 
horrific detail how that morning, so she got home that night, right? August 13th. And what happened while she was gone was uh, on on Arizona for that business trip is he got a babysitter and he took his girlfriend, Nikki, out for a date. And this is where you can kind of tell the premeditation and all of this because he stops trying to cover his tracks. He They go to like a bar and grill. He told Shanann he got a babysitter because he was going to like a Rockies game with some coworkers. But he uses their like shared bank card to buy dinner. So she, while she's out of town, gets like a notification of a, like a $67 charge um, for this bar and grill. And she's like, how the hell did you spend $67? <laughs> and... He's like, oh, I had the salmon. It was pretty pricey. And then I had a couple of beers. Well, Shanann doesn't yeah. believe any of this. He won't have sex with her. He's being distant and cold. Before she left, she had written him this like letter about how she loved him so deeply and she wanted to fight for their marriage. And she just wanted them to be able to be honest with each other. So she goes online, finds the menu oh, and like does geez. the workout of the prices. And she's like, she's like, even if you had eight beers and the salmon, it didn't cost $67. So she knows that he bought right. someone dinner. Then um, they also have that ring thing. Remember I mentioned. So he stays after dinner. He goes back to Nikki's house with her for hours before he goes home to the girls. So when he said that he had just left um, having dinner at this place, he doesn't go home for like four hours. So he's not even really trying. Yeah, I mean, I have the ring app and I can I always both my husband and I get notifications when anyone's at any of the cameras. I'm like, it's fun. I'm like, oh, yeah. Son is delivering a package. So you can kind of tell that like his desire to keep this affair a secret is like it's no longer a big mm. part of his plan, if you will. So when she returns home that night, he's asleep. The kids are asleep. She kind of wakes him up. And then I they have sex. And I don't really I don't know if he does this to like disarm her as like a one last mm. hurrah. But in the morning when he gets up to go to work, he wakes her up and he tells her that he's leaving her. That he, he doesn't think they're compatible, he doesn't love her, and he doesn't want to be married to her anymore. And she gets very angry, and she says, if you do this, you will never see your children again. And then he jumps on top of her in a fit of rage and strangles her. Oh. And as he's dragging her down the stairs, his little four-year-old Bella comes out of her bedroom and asks, what's wrong with mommy? And he's like, nothing's wrong, it's fine, just go back to bed. He then loads her in the back of his truck. He puts her like on the ground in the back seat of the truck and then he gets both the girls puts them in the truck sitting in the back seat with the the body of their dead mother oh. and he drives 45 minutes Ew. to this to this site where he buries their bodies um so that's when we learn that they were alive and that he actually killed them at the site and that um Bella watched him kill oh. smother he took a blanket and he basically smothered them and then shoved them in the oil tankers but Bella she fought really hard and she asked and see now I'm gonna cry oh monster um but there's like proof that she fought for her life um in like some of the defensive wounds like she had bitten through her lip um so this guy is just like a a true 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 monster who was even a worse monster after getting caught by trying to pin the murder of his of the babies on his wife he was transferred to a jail in out of state in Wisconsin because of so many threats on his life. Yeah. Um, and he is considered an outcast even amongst prisoners because of, of how big of a monster he is. What the hell was he thinking? Oh, my God. The mistress, Nikki, has since changed her name and, like, fallen off the grid, gone underground. And there's, like, some interesting – I don't think that she – I do not believe that she was in any way, shape, or form involved in what happened. I do think she knew – that he was married, but she didn't know, and it's why she came to police, 
that his wife was uh-huh. pregnant. She did not know that. She thought they were yeah. going to get divorced, not that they were going to have a third baby. And so that's when she goes to police. She claims that they had only been dating since June of 2018. So all of this seems to have happened in like a very short period of time. If they started dating on June 14th, or that's when he yeah. put her number in his phone. So presumably that's when they met. And then he murdered his whole family on August 13th. Yikes. And there's like some interesting things that I found about how like some of her cell phone stuff. Like she was like her search history showed that sometime before the murders, but like not too far before she spent two hours online looking at wedding dresses. She had definitely Googled his wife way in 2017. Mm. And she erased everything off her phone, but police were able to recover it. So even the act of doing that. That seems shady. Seems like she was probably uh, a very, like, a very knowing mistress. Yeah. Like, knew what she, knew she was, she was moving in on a married man and was trying to, like, downplay. But there was other stuff on, too, that was just wild. Like, she'd Googled, um, I believe her name's Amber Frey. Remember, like, Scott Peterson, who murdered his pregnant wife, his mistress? She, like, Googled her. Maybe that was after, because she was trying to see what oh, was going to happen to maybe. her in the court of public opinion. Who knows? But just some like interesting, weird behavior. Oh my gosh. There. Avern, if the, anyone searches our Google history, it's going to be intense because we are always researching I know. murder. <laughs> murder. Yeah, murder. It's all oh, about God. murder. But that is so um, But that is the oh. true. that is the true story of Family Annihilator, Chris Watts. Um, I do really recommend, if, if you're at all interested in the case, to watch this documentary simply because it's, it's unbelievable yeah. how much access that Shanann yeah. gave to her friends and family and that because her family just wanted the truth to be out about everything, um, they gave the filmmaker access to her laptop, her wow. phone, all of this stuff. And they, they said, you can use anything you find as, as long as you tell the truth. What about his mom? What were there? Any, was there any footage of her? No, because she never... Oh, well, that's not true. At the very end, when they're giving their statements at his sentencing hearing, his mom does make a statement where she, you know, crying hysterically and how she can never understand how they got here, but that she will always love her son and she wishes that that this could all be undone. Mm. And in the interview in 2019 with the FBI, where Chris did finally admit to killing his kids and gave them details, he does express, and who knows, it's probably not real because he's clearly insane to be able to do these things. Uh, but I had forty a 45-minute drive where I could have, you know, like decided not to do what I did when I got there. I didn't have to kill those girls. I didn't have to do any of this. I could have just gotten divorced. He also said it was the first time in his life he'd ever felt he'd ever been really mad. And like, it sounds like he was somebody who kind of suppressed Ooh, yeah. a lot. And I think uh, I think that maybe he was or he was just hiding his true nature. But it's like everyone who ever met him was like, this doesn't make any sense. Like he snapped. Like, something yeah. liter- like he snapped and he will spend deservedly the rest of his life in jail for it. It's funny. I don't usually get emotional yeah. when I watch like stuff. And I think because of the access and the videos yeah. of this family, like how can you not look at a video of like, a mom and her daughters, yeah. and then know what, ha- and then hear the story of what happens to them. It's and not, not a be- movie; it's real life, and you're seeing it's real living pictures makes- of actual kids, and you can imagine yeah. what happened to them. It's that's horrible. Yeah, it's. Horrible. I, you know, I actually didn't so- know this story, so hearing you tell it was incredibly fascinating. Thank you for doing all that research. It is very intense. I, I actually might check out yeah. the documentary because I, I'm curious. Yeah, and it's a, and I, I will say, like, it's a, it's a good documentary. It's done well. It doesn't, you know, it's it, it shows the bumps. In the in the relationship on mm. both sides, you know, doesn't paint her as some like patron mm-hmm. saint, you know, who never, you know, might have yelled at her husband or been, you know, 
a little too aggressive with the the, the documenting of every moment, but um, but it's it's really it's really good, and um, it's just such it's the saddest yeah. thing ever. And today is actually the three year anniversary oh. of the day that 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 family lost uh, they lost oh, their so lives. Sad. Well, yeah. guys, this is we did it. We did our first episode. Yeah. With our new our new style, comparing a rom com and a true crime. So so, Avrin, what do you think? Are there similarities? Do we see any connection? We don't see it. I don't think after you know going through the story of a real family annihilator, I, we're going to give George Banks a pass. I think he was just a drama queen, um, emotional father. Yeah. Who um who was just having a hard time watching his baby girl get married at twenty two, which yeah. is pretty young. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining yes. us this week. We will talk to you next week with a new episode. Bye. 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 Thank you. We hope you enjoy our podcast. If you do like it, please rate, review, and subscribe to Rom Crime on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. You can follow Rom Crime on all social media platforms and send us messages for things you'd like us to cover in the future. You can also email us at romcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Join us for bonus content exclusively on Patreon. We'll see you next Friday for another Rom Crime with Avrin and Vanya. Produced, directed, researched, and edited by us. Till next week.